0: and good morning everyone. Uh, The true committed here this morning, braving the wind and the cold. So thank you so much for uh, coming along this morning and attending this session. On behalf of the panelists, I welcome you here today and also acknowledge uh, that lovely acknowledgement of country. So welcome here to the University of Adelaide and Elder Hall and the Festival of Ideas. I'm Sarah Gunn, it's lovely to join you here and I'm going to um, welcome here. Next to me is Eloise Hall, we then have Carrie Allen, we have Isabel Marshall and Andrew Nunn. So um, our session this morning is on Profit for Purpose. So I am going to start with... um, Uh, getting straight into the topic and say, asking our panellists, what does purpose mean in your business? Now, I'm going to start with you, Isabel.
1: Okay. Uh, So, Eloise and I are from a social enterprise called Taboo Period Products. We sell 100% organic cotton period products to Australian customers. And then all of our net profits and all of our business activities, advocacy efforts, um, are all dedicated to eradicating period poverty around the world. Um, So as you can probably tell, our entire business is centered around our mission. Um, The purpose of of Taboo is the reason that we started it. Um, And I think every single day, it's the reason that we keep keep, um, up the energy levels to keep it going. but I think when I was considering this question, um, it was also apparent that our purpose is also fantastic and encouraging for our um, customers as well. Uh, and it's kind of that community around Taboo that has enabled it to to grow and then be sustainable. Um, and I, I believe that's because the customers, the team members, everyone is working towards this mission of eradicating period poverty, and it's a mission that we can all relate to, either as menstruators or as people who um, have menstruators in their lives that they, and menstruation being something that we all rely on as a human species. Um, So there's, purpose means so much to our business. Um, And I mean, from a personal level as well, I don't think I would have the energy to, to, keep going with it if it if it wasn't a big part of um of what we do every day I was actually just thinking of um what what taboo would look like or being in a business would look like if it didn't have such a purpose mm-hmm. um, and the only image that I could think of was um the office <laughs> you know the office <laughs> tv show um <laughs> and I was just thinking how the reason it's so hilarious to watch is because the the issues that they go through and and the day-to-day activities seem so mundane. (laughs) And I was just imagining if they had some purpose that they were working towards, how much more um, entertaining it may be for them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's a big part of what we do at Taboo. I love that. We can keep that in the back of our heads as this (laughs) conversation goes forward. Are we in the office or are we doing something else for the world? Andrew.
2: Great question. so I have multiple roles. So my role as an executive director of an environmental company. Um, my purpose has changed over the years. The, the the original purpose of me setting up this company was to try and do consulting better, try and do the things I'd learned better. Um, now my goal very much uh, and the culture that we've set in the uh, in the company and the purpose we've set is really about making a difference. We, we, we focus very much on renewable energy and how we can promote renewable energy, how we can make... The world a better safer environmentally more sustainable place uh, and that's a major focus of how we how we run our business so the the purpose of, of the consulting arm of our business is very much to try and align ourselves with clients who are trying to make a difference and help them make a difference um, we make a profit through that process and, and then the next question will come what how, how does that how is that aligned but 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 our purpose is very much to try and build uh, a a sustainable environment that we're handing over a much better environmental setup than than what we've got for the next generation. So that's that's the that's the engineering part of it. Um, in my role uh, as chief entrepreneur for South Australia, um, my purpose there is very much to try and promote. Uh, uh, the benefits of entrepreneurship, the benefits of innovation, uh, the benefits of having a go. Uh, and so, that's, so I have multiple purposes in my life, which is fantastic, because um, purpose in life is so important. Uh, and so, so, yeah, so I, I guess I have a range of different um, uh, things that, that I look at actually drive me and drive the company. And, and it's fantastic, because once you've got the purpose, then you, can, you align with people who care, and you can really start to make some change. So it's fantastic.
0: Thank you. And Carrie?
3: Uh, I'm Carrie Allen and I'm one of the co-founders of the Spark Change Beverage Company, which is an alcohol company. Uh, Our purpose can kind of broadly be described as putting the good uh, back into the alcohol industry. It's a $15 billion a year industry and there's a lot of room for raising the bar uh, from the alcohol industry we are for purpose and unlike Taboo, um, we have our contribution to social equity causes built into our costing structure because we knew how long it would take us to get to a position of profit and we felt that we needed to walk out into the world giving. But exactly like Taboo, we also focus all of our additional resources on talking about things that really Uh, Matter in terms of social equity. So we talk about racial equality, gender equality. We fight for uh, the rights and freedoms for sexual orientation. And in the last couple of months, we've come out with a commitment to maintain a company that is 60% non-male across every business unit, including our board. And we've made a commitment to be carbon neutral by 2025, and we just released our first carbon neutral beer, which we're doing by using a lot of local ingredients and then offsetting how well we get to carbon neutrality by 2025. We're going to share openly because we believe that part of what we can contribute is the truth of the journey that we're on. So we're going to be creating scorecards that we put up on our website for good or ill, for failure or success. We are very much
0: about sharing the journey that we're on. Brilliant, thank you so much. I'm going to ask you now, Isabel, how do you operationalize your purpose or what governance do you have in place to ensure that you and your team are accountable to your purpose? Me, Eloise. Yes.
4: Oh, sorry, Eloise. <laughs> <laughs> a bit nervous. In, we've got interchangeable heads. <laughs> they're the same person, really. <laughs> um, it is a difficult question, especially in the season of business I guess we're in. And I've actually had a few conversations with Andrew about this and that, where traditionally used to for-profit companies existing, like we we know companies exist. They make money and the people that own the companies make the money from, from the success of that company. Then we know charities in a separate sphere where we are often rattling tins and we're asking people for their <laughs> extra cash and, and then we're making change with that. And this social enterprise model that we've embraced incorporates both and I guess in the operational structure and support of that it's still not quite there so we function like every other company we sell a product we need to invest in marketing we need to invest in our um, staff and all of the growth uh, injections that need to happen along the way but then our commitment is 100% of the profits go to go to charity or charitable causes and uh, that's not I guess, financially supported to the extent that charities are at this stage. So there's work to be done, and I guess to answer the question in how we exist now, um, there there are really great, um, I, I guess, uh, titles or stamps such as B Corp um, and the social traders kind of recognition that companies can get to... That It's really a, a protocol of, yep, they're doing this, that and the other, and we can we can pretty much confirm that they are a social company that you can trust from a consumer perspective and i guess as well part of our purpose as taboo is to really challenge the consumer behavior and the markets that we work in so we really want to challenge people to to question who's profiting from the se- the, the thing that they're purchasing and that's really what was um what what birth taboo was that we're spending so much money on pads and tampons every month. So many people are suffering from period poverty. Why can't we buy something that contributes to this cause rather than make someone that is already wealthy wealthier? And um, that's, that's the attitude of, of this, the operation behind it and that's the conversation we want to ignite to make sure that everyone as consumers, regardless of whether you're business orientated or not, is really understanding who's profiting from this purchase and how can we better support the operations?
1: Mm. Can I just add to that as well on behalf of Taboo, (laughs) sorry. With our mission being to eradicate period poverty, Eloise and I have learned over the last few years that a huge um, fuel to that period poverty is stigma, Um, and that's that's why we're called Taboo, because we're not actually coming to uh, solutions to period poverty because no one's talking about it. Um, And so a a huge amount of um, the work we do through Taboo is uh, sparking those conversations and uh, setting a different standard um, as to how... How much we should be talking about it, how we should be talking about it, the tone we should be talking about it in um, and who should be involved in those conversations. Uh, so to actually reach that mission we need to also really focus on those campaigning advocacy efforts um, and that actually makes the practical change as well um, which is really exciting and something we love to do as well and it's really difficult to actually measure that because um it's difficult to measure how how people perceive something and then how they speak about it and the tone they use and so that in that regards it's quite difficult to to measure um
0: but super important mm. and talking about sparking conversation that leads <laughs> to you Kerry. so the same question for you how do you operationalize your purpose
3: um you know, we're, we're a couple of years further down the path than, than you guys are, and we love what Taboo is doing, and it's so very important. But in terms of our business operations, we, um, we define the responsibility of our directors uh, as being to make a profit for the shareholders, but not at the expense of the environment, the dignity of the employees, or the communities in which we operate. Uh, and that sets us up for a triple bottom line that we measure based on people planet and profitability, or as we actually describe it, prosperity. So we set very, very, very specific operational objectives that we have to achieve because we're bigger, we employ more people, we've got one venue open and you know, touch wood COVID will be opening in Melbourne uh, next year. So, so if we're not operationalized, we can't achieve our goals and objectives. So that is some of the things that I've already mentioned. So from a planet perspective, uh, carbon neutral by 2025, That we have a, a plan uh, as to how we're going to achieve that. From a people point of view, it's about diversity. So we have KPIs that we have to achieve in terms of measuring the diversity across our sales team. Uh, or our entire team, actually. And if you've ever been to Spark at the Whitmore, you only have to look around and you will notice, you will see up front the diversity in our team at the front of house and at the back of house. Uh, From a prosperity point of view, um, yes, we have our our profit objectives uh, and we're held accountable uh, for those Um, by our shareholders and we're measured against those but we have other ways that we actually define prosperity and so that actually relates to all of the things that we do that are philanthropic because without doing those things we are not a prosperous business so we're very numbers driven we're very process-driven, we're very planning-driven, we're very report-driven, and I think that's a luxury that you arrive at if, as a startup, you survive. And uh, you know, all I can say is that I know these women will survive, and certainly Sarah and her business has survived. And Sarah, I think it might be really interesting to hear how you operationalize
0: this, <laughs> because you have a large number of employees Yes, we do, and I'm honoured that you asked me, but just before <laughs> I will answer that, I am going to go to Andrew um, and ask you that same question about operationalising your...
2: Yeah, so, so for me, it's about a shared purpose. So it's pretty much... We've got between 350 and 400 people in our, in our engineering business, mm-hmm. and, um, and so it's really important if you're going to get the value out of, out of and make sure everyone's pushing in the same direction, that you've got aligned values. And so we make sure that it's really clear what the company stands for. It's, it's really clear where we're, where we're heading. We get people to effectively come and join us, join us on this journey. And this journey is really important because it it, it enables young people to be led by more experienced people and, and help them grow in the journey through, through an engineering and through an actual for-profit business. Um, but to operationalise it, it needs to be owned all the way from the boardroom, all the way down to the to the to the guys who are just coming on uh, into the business. So, so that's how we do it. We're really clear on what we stand for. We're really clear on what we will and will not do, um, and that's very clear through the entire business. We report against those things. Um, as a group we own a, a, a company that sets up its own philanthropic fund and, and we all contribute to it if we want to uh, the company matches so so we, we get everyone engaged in the vision uh, we also set up a, a structure where that th- no matter what level you are in the business you have a voice you have a say and and that really came through, through from an operational business point of view that really came through the the, the safety um workplace safety is no matter where you sit in a business you should not be unsafe you should be able to tell your boss this place is unsafe and i'm not willing to do that and 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 taking that further it's it's a bit purpose you know i'm comfortable that as a business we're doing this and and we own it And, and and you should be able to talk about that so so what we have is um people bring their views, we have a, a lady from Uganda who works for us, and, and she wanted to try and make the, her village in Uganda more sustainable in the way they stopped cutting down um, uh, native forest and, and planting coffee, and, and we, we helped worked with them on, on, on how we could actually set up a, a, a restoration project and stop uh, stop logging in, in, in their village, and, and so, it, and that lady just you know she's a young graduate but she thought my god i can't believe that the company wants to support these things so we so we support all that all the way through because the great ideas don't always come from the boardroom
3: so true <laughs>
4: do you mind if I just add a little bit of um, specifics yeah. on how we operationalise? Just with um, Taboo's mission, we've got this commitment to give 100% of our profits to eradicating period poverty. And like you were saying before, Carrie, it's, it's hard to commit to that when you're not in a position of, of profit and you can't give your profit away because you're, you're needing to sustain your company. So what we've done to operationalise that mission is having a, a pad it forward kind of program mm. so we have a lot of people and it actually it was my boyfriend's mum's idea she was like I want to buy a product but I don't need it can I buy it <laughs> on behalf of someone else so we've designed this pad it forward program where people have been purchasing our product and we have distributed that product around Australia to organizations and groups of people who are at risk of period poverty and it's really great to be able to say within a year of that um, existing we've given more than 1,200 boxes of pads um, already to, and that's and so sustainable for us because people are buying our product, we get to pass it on and we're still contributing to our mission in a bit of a hybrid context before we have profit. So I guess there's always a way to make your mission work and there's really no excuse to not commit to that and, and claim that it's a financial cause because there's ways around it, we just have to adapt and mm. that's about social business. Mm.
0: There are so many different um, thoughts going through my mind of where this conversation <laughs> could go. We could um, all bring in a cup of tea and sit here for the day. But I think what um, has just been demonstrated by the panel is that what um, each of these uh, business owners is doing in their business is actually changing systems <clears throat> I beg your pardon. So the systems change work, um, the lens about what is possible and how can I do things differently. And whilst I'm committed to um, paying shareholders, which I, loo- I use fairly loosely, for example, in my social enterprise, there is one shareholder and it's me. Um, I haven't made a lot of money <laughs> from those <laughs> shares, just saying. So... Um, so um, Whilst we're still committed to use these terms around business and business governance and shareholders, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that's not really reality. Um, that's not how, what drives us in running our business. But I am going to go to a pertinent question, which is uh, the, the the topic today is, prof- is profit for purpose. So I do want to ask the panel, um, what does profit mean to you? And is profit making your goal? So, Andrew, maybe we'll sure. start there.
2: Um, what's profit meant to me? I, I guess, I guess at it's very basic level. You know, pro- profit means that you, 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 you've got more than you've given. Um, from a financial point of view, my journey's been quite interesting in the in the whole discussion around profit for purpose, because as a, I, I grew up in a, a relatively working class area in Melbourne, and um, and all I wanted to do as I got older was success was make money. Um, and, and that was my driver for a lot of years. Uh, and to an extent still is, but it's what I do with that money now that is the difference. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about that briefly. But, but from, so from my perspective, um, profit is all about uh, setting up a business... Being, having a business you're really proud of, at the business that actually delivers what you want it to do, it's a, it's a, you're an employer of choice in the sense that you get the people you want to get and the people stay because they like it and because um, they feel good and comfortable and they're, they're listened to. So, there, so, so there's lots of different profits. There's, there's a financial profit, uh, no doubt, but there's a profit in, in having people grow through the business. And, and if you take a graduate and you take them all the way up to a managing director, there's a profit in that. It's it's, it's it's a profit for the state, it's a profit for everybody, but it, but as a, as a business owner and as a business initiator or founder, um, there's a real profit and a dividend in, in watching somebody grow through a business. So um, so for me, profit is multi-leveled. Uh, it, it, yes, it is definitely a financial thing. Um, and as I said, my journey's changed a lot. In, in the early years, all I wanted to do was make money and just make money because that was the plan. Um, and when I got to the plan, I went, oh, this is no. What do I do now? Uh, and so, so my focus is very much on now what I do with the money rather than profit being... Profit's often seen as an end, you know, at the end of the financial year, that's the profit. But actually, profit's just the beginning because then it's the opportunity to go, now, where do I go with this? Now, that's the cool bit. So the rest of it's the, the, the function, but that's the cool bit, in my view. Wonderful. Carrie, do you want
0: to... I've already mentioned that
3: we've got a triple bottom line and we do measure ourselves uh, against that and we do that monthly, quarterly and annually and we report on that. But I think um, that for us it it was a little bit different insofar as my co-founder Rose Kentish and myself created a business that was initially targeting millennials and their allies, and particularly that 47.7% of millennials that according to Pew Center research, uh, prefer to buy from companies that authentically practice inclusion marketing. And, And when we started, the only thing that we had to do as an alcohol company to actually signal that we were different in the alcohol space was to be founded and led by women because it's a pretty male, pale, and stale industry, and it still is. Um, So we felt a really strong responsibility to create a different model of a business, and we're very interested in democratizing wealth, and that is making the opportunity for companies to, for individuals um, to invest in companies that will build their future asset, and, and that actually is people that we employ. That is our community. Uh, and that is the beginning investor. So if we bring people's money into our business, we are bringing their their investment in to a for-purpose for company and they understand that, but we have a responsibility to ultimately give them some kind of major equity event or some kind of of um, action that's gonna allow them to get their money out and make a profit and take that forward and do more things with it. So we hope that we're creating a bit of an appetite to invest in for-purpose companies because that is ultimately the power that will move across a system that is very much uh, jigged around Financial success Mm. as the key driving metric.
0: Mm -hmm. If Um, that makes taboo, profit. What does profit mean to you?
1: I guess um, when we came up with this mission of eradicating period poverty, the vehicle we wanted to use was business, um, and the way that would work is through the social enterprise model, which. If it's going to be successful, um, means that we need to sell as much of our product as we possibly can. Um, so that led to our priority of creating an organic cotton product that was very high quality, um, that stood on its own two legs without the mission behind it. Um, even though we know and our customers know that that's the reason uh, the product exists. Um, but at the same time, it's funny because yeah, obviously to reach the way we've set to Taboo up, that we need to. The more profit we make, the more change we can make in relation to our mission. But at the same time, we do silly things like advocate for the fact that, um, that period products should be free around this state and around <laughs> Australia, which actually puts us out of business. <laughs> so by the same, or in the same breath, you could say that we would prefer to make decisions that are best for our mission, which sometimes doesn't necessarily mean a bigger profit for us, but for now, right now, where we're at um, politically and um, socially, to reach that mission in the most sustainable way, it does mean trying to fight for the the most profit
0: possible. Hmm. There are some pearls of wisdom in there. I <laughs> loved um, Andrew that profit. Um, I've never heard it expressed that way before. That you know, profit isn't just about money. You can have profit. Um, you know, for individuals reaching their objectives and aims and going on to have full lives, I think that's um, beautiful. Democratising wealth is another. So, lead me beautifully into my next question. Um, there are many positive ways that businesses can contribute to a better world. Uh, this can be aligning with the Sustainable Development Goals Having a social procurement framework, uh, which for those that don't know that, it's about ensuring that all the products and services that you buy also are consistent with your mission. Um, that there are business models like co-ops and mutuals that share share profit. There are B corps. Social enterprises um, that donate profits, or that are workplaces for marginalised people, or businesses that have a strong uh, social responsibility um, ethic. Do you see your business as one of those models? And some of you have touched on that already, or. Um, do you fit into another category? And if you've already answered that, you might just want to go into that in a little bit more depth. And I'll just... A little bit of insight from my own um, GoGo events, which is a social enterprise, is uh, I remember when I applied to be a B Corp, which is an internationally recognised um, accreditation system for businesses that are aligning with um, uh, People, Planet and... I'm going to steal this now prosperity, not profit, um, was that uh, I had always maintained within within GoGo that I would earn as close an income to the people that I was supporting as possible because that seemed rational to me. I had an abundance opportunity, I had wherewithal to, to drive a business um, and I was in a fortunate position to to do that, and what I did was think, well, the the goal isn't for me to earn $200,000 or even maybe $50,000 a year as a CEO, (laughs) but actually to say, well, my staff are being paid $26 an hour, I'll be paid $26 an hour, and to me, that's about... um, uh, equity. Um, and when I realised in the B Corp um, assessment that you got extra points, because points are allocated to you for the way you run your business, that y- you received ec- um, more points for the the smaller the differentiation between what the highest paid person and the lowest paid person are earning um, was valued really highly, I thought wow, that's something I've always been doing and now I'm going to be rewarded for it by getting extra points in this accreditation system. Um, and I think that's where this system change things, is It's is where you can put into practice things that instinctively you have felt are right and just and now you're getting a platform in which, on which to base this. So there's a little bit of insight. Um, do I need to go back to the question or um, perhaps you could mm-hmm. talk about... So the social enterprise model
4: for yeah. you. Um, and I think we relate to quite a few of those lists. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I can absolutely relate to you, Sarah. I remember in year 10 feeling, you know, so I grew up in a home where I was fed and clothed and I had a roof over my head and I never had to worry about my personal needs. And I think generationally speaking, and this is a generalised um, statement, people in my generation are in that kind of comfortable bracket. My parents were raised by people who had, you know, been a part of the war and so they're in survival mode, they're, they're kicking into let's make my life and my family looked after and, and, you know, as wealthy as and stable as possible. My generation, we were born into everything really, was sorted out for us. I didn't need to think about any of my immediate needs. And come year 10, I think that's an age where you start developing, what's life? Why am I here? What are we doing? And I was in this, this school with this really, you know, flashy education, and I thought, why on earth am I getting this education and all of these girls exactly my age have to leave, get married, have babies just so that they can be secure and just so that they can put food in their bellies. And I remember being sickened by the disparity that I, I knew was existing in this world. And that's really what um, has fueled the passion that I think I've instinctively had um, running Taboo with Izzy, knowing that that was it didn't make any sense. And um, we both believed that the privilege that we had was was absolute responsibility to make something from it and that um that equality of of pay and all the there's so much money on this planet but it exists in I don't know the the stats but you know this top slither of percentage of our population in the world and the changing of structure is the way that we can we can make that more fair and more equal because you know I think it's very quick to say oh it's too hard and you know that's not how it goes so I'm just going to have to make money and they give money away. But really, like, who is to make the rules? We are, if we're in a de- democratic country, we're the ones making the rules, we're the ones uh, with the voices to make the change and, and implement the systems that we think are fair. And I think, especially you know, coming from a privileged position, I'm not just gonna sit back and run with the status quo because it's not fair and it makes me uncomfortable. And I think when we talk about these structures, that's where the change happens. These are the vessels that we can create flow on effects for my children's generation to live in a more equal world and not have to reach year 10 and think why the heck am I, do I have all of these privileges and all of these people don't. Um, So I guess that's the, I just kind of went on a rant, sorry. I love it. (laughs) Eloise for Prime
0: Minister. (laughs) Um, Thank you. A fabulous rant that really needs to be heard. Thank you so much. Very insightful for us. Makes my question a bit boring now, but, um, but nevertheless, let's go back. Uh, let's go back to that. Do you, um, Is your business model carry aligned particularly to one of the you know demonstrable models? Or
3: thanks for having me. Follow that. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, sort of stick more to the really dry, boring stuff. So, you know, ouch. But um, we're a proprietary limited company that is about to move into a structure that is a pri- a, an unlisted public company structure. And again, that goes to our desire to create an opportunity for people to join our company and create future wealth for themselves, uh, and we are a, a stated for purpose company, and and we've got a mission, and that mission is that triple bottom line that we've already talked about. But the bottom line for me is, and the bottom line for Rosa and myself is, you're damn straight. We actually do what we need to do and what we want to do to fulfill the purposes of our business, and we are driven by far more than a simple motivation to make a profit, as it's traditionally defined.
0: Thank you. Andrew.
2: Right. Um, (laughs) So the environmental business I run uh, is very much focused around sustainability, obviously to make a profit, but also very much focused around renewable energies, cleaning up contaminated sites, um, effectively trying to make the world a better place whilst also making a profit. So, um, so that's that is is very core is what we do. So people that work for us care about the environment fundamentally, um, which means you get a really engaged group of people from day one. They come out of uni and they're passionate about the environment, which is great. Um, and so, uh, so, so we have a very, as I said before, a very high level of engagement and and a, and, a, and a lot a pretty flat structure. So that structure enables us to uh, have everybody engaged in things like, as I said before, we set up a philanthropic fund within the company that the company puts a percentage of the profits into, plus it supports anyone who wants to do anything else that we can use that fund to go and support. So it engages everybody in the process that it's not just about the profit. Um, so that's one. The, the, the other thing we do as a company, and which I think has been fantastic, is to get as many people as shareholders as possible as soon as they literally get into the company. As, they, as soon as they pass their probation, we're trying to get a process whereby they come on. And so they share it, they're part of it, they're part of the journey, they involve it, they own it, it feels like their company. That, that has the benefit from a company point of view that we don't lose them, um, but it also means that they can actually choose the direction the company goes. They're part of the discussion, they're, they're, they're visible uh, at board level, which is fantastic. So So I love that. Um, To to answer the question more about um, social uh, impact and and social life and social investment, um, I I might jump across to my role as Chief Entrepreneur and and, and on on my board, on my board I have two very strong social investment, social impact advocates. I I really want to get the social impact in there because uh, I think you often talk social entrepreneur and everyone goes, oh yeah, whatever. But it is an impact, and it's really important, and it's fundamental. And, I, and, and through the role of the chief entrepreneur, I feel I've got a much better way of actually changing a whole community's view on these things, um, changing a government's view on how they can invest in social impact. So, so that's a really big driver for me now. Um, I've, I've passed my first six months of, of being chief, and now I've really got a, a role and a very clear objective as what I want to do. Um, I've listened and I've talked and I've had a lot of coffee. Um, but now I'm very much in the view of social will be at absolute pinnacle of what we do. It won't just be innovation entrepreneurs to go and make a profit. It's, it's, it's yes, impact, social impact entrepreneurs to do something amazing. Uh, it, it's the avoided costs that need to be considered. You know, the, the, and, and, and just bringing everybody up in, in a much fairer city much fairer environment. And so I think that's where we need to go and I think that's where we need to play. I think our company does it, but I think the role of Chief gives me a much better platform to push that to a much more fairer city.
0: Music to our ears, and it leads directly <laughs> to my next question, which I'm going to um, ask you to oh. start with, Andrew, which is what would your three top tips be to people starting a new business or that are in an existing business um, about how to positively impact people and the planet. Mm. Three top tips.
2: I think (laughs) you've got to be very, very clear on your purpose. So why am I doing this? Because if you're vague on that, it makes it very hard to make it... And and the Taboo Girls and and Spark particularly have very clear visions of what they're doing. And it makes it so much easier because you know where you're going. So really clear vision on what you're doing. Two, um, I think a really clear focus on what your values are to get to where you want to go. Um, You've got to be absolutely resolute in where are my go and no-go zones in relation to values? Um, What will I do and won't I do to make a profit? What will I do to make this thing succeed and to fit within the purpose? And the third one, probably don't be afraid to be innovative. I mean, there's the chief entrepreneur coming out again, but, uh, but, but have a go and, and think of things differently. Think of things in a different light, under a different lens because that's the only way we push these things forward when people think outside the square. Young people are really good at it um, and that's why I like to get as many young people in our business as we can. Um, and, and that's why you see at Lot 14 a lot of young people in there with, you know, they, they, they've just got ideas. It's like, and, and so, so I guess the fundamental position is just have a go. Give it a push. Back yourself.
0: Super. Izzy?
1: Well, in my humble four and a half years, I guess, of uh, being in business, (laughs) um, I would echo, obviously, we're at a profit for purpose talk, so it makes sense. But having that clear purpose also is it makes processes more efficient because you can all the questions you're asking and the decisions you have to make on behalf of the business can be put up alongside the purpose and it's so much easier and um, there's so much clarity in those decisions that are made um, because there's a clear right and wrong. Um, Also, I I think one of the strengths Eloise and I had um, being young was that we were always open and honest with the fact that we didn't know everything um, and that really forced us to get other experienced uh, people alongside us to to direct us and open our minds to considerations that we would we didn't even know to consider. You don't know what you don't know, so it's really important to uh, be vulnerable and honest in that, and then getting people on board to, sh- to share their experience with you. The other thing um, is that when you have a really strong purpose um, that, that I guess, marks the anchor of that business, and if that business um, gains a little bit of attention from the community, often you're Um, ask the same questions about what that purpose means why, why did you start it why are you so excited about that mission and as you start to answer those questions again and again and again sometimes you can become a bit immune to it and so from what I've, what's helped me is constantly learning more about the issue that we're we're addressing which is period poverty um, and constantly refreshing in my mind why it's an issue which means just keeping up to date with statistics and um, and news in that area um, and stories of people who have suffered from period poverty uh, to keep kind of reigniting that fire all the time.
3: Well I agree with everything said so far almost really I feel like a go get a cup of coffee and we'd all be done here. (laughs) But um, I think it's really important to know where your North Star is and to have it be genuine, and to take all the time that you need to in articulating what that is, and that includes values. We have a values matrix, and when we're struggling to make a decision, we actually go back to it. And every member of our team fully understands and subscribes to our values, because if they don't, if they don't actually want to be a part of our community, the relationship's not going to work out and we have people who come in and think they're all for it and then really just a little bit too hard and it's not comfortable for them and they and they go and that's perfectly okay, but know what your North Star is, know what your values are. With respect to the power of youth, which I totally believe in, it's never too late for you to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I'm 61 years old and we started Spark right at the end of 2016 years old. And uh, the most joyous time that I've had in my professional career has been the, the almost six years that our company has been going. So age is not a barrier, and one of the important things that we need to do in our society is to actually allow people at every age and every stage of their life to participate in a workforce that actually has a purpose and and have a place and an opportunity to drive it forward. And finally, I will say, uh, when I think about the three things that you need to survive, you need to be willing to practice, that is make mistakes, be brave, get it wrong, fix it. You need to be persistent because everyone is gonna tell you that you can't do it, right? And um, you, you need to uh, kind of be a big fan of perspiration because you're going to have to work your ass off mm-hmm. and, and you're going to have to do it for years and years. And we expect that our company uh, is going to be an overnight success that was 10 years in the making.
2: Can, can I just add to that? Um, that discussion about it's, it's never too late to be an entrepreneur. It's so true. I think that the data suggests that um, I think the the average age of an entrepreneur is about forty five. So you know that's often it's people who had life experience have identified things that, hey, this is wrong. I can fix this, and 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 it's probably been gnawing at them for for ten years that they should just damn well get in and fix it. And so. I guess my advice as the chief entrepreneur is just go and fix it, um, and get involved and have a go because um, there's enough support networks out there for people to have a go and and to the pure joy of running your own business and having a go and damn hard work, absolutely damn hard work. But um, but the rewards out of just joy when it, when you when you nail it, it's fantastic. So hundred percent.
4: Um, I would say. You, got, you have to think like a child. My nine-year-old, eight-year-old nephew is one of my kind of inspirations because like, kids just ask why, 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 why? And that's the perfect thing to do, especially in the space of innovation. We need to really poke at the things that don't quite make sense. And um, that's where I think great ideas are born. Second, I would absolutely say you need to look after yourself. You can't do a purpose- driven business without actually having the energy for yourself, let alone everyone else and the big purpose that you're you're focused on. Because often it is really heartbreaking, especially if you are really emotionally invested in the work you're doing. I certainly am so exhausted after hearing about really, um, I guess, heartbreaking stories about period poverty. And that takes a toll. You do need to look after yourself so that you actually have energy to put back into the mission, not just sit and mope and be sad about it. Um and that also definitely trickles into your team. you really need to make sure that your team's also supported in social business I think you can get lost in the different avenues in the office the other day it got to four o'clock and we realized all day we'd been talking about advocacy and mission. We hadn't even packed our online orders and so you get <laughs> you get really you know focused on different aspects of your company you need to make sure that everyone is look, you know feels secure and feels that they have enough energy to give as well. And I had a third one, which was um, yeah, similar to Izzy's point on reminding yourself of the mission as well, because at the end of the day, running a business does come with its dry patches and it's really boring things. <laughs> and if you're a social entrepreneur, then maybe not the things and the reasons you signed up to do business, but they're things that need to be done. And when you've got a really constant reminder of the purpose and the why, and you know why you have to spend 70 hours writing something really mind numbing, you know why then it's not as mind-numbing as you thought mm. so um yeah keep on track <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: um eloise that might have been the day i bumped into eloise in the mall juggling all these boxes she was on her way to the post office and uh, you know so here she is advocating and changing systems but still has to actually run the post um down rundle Mall. um um My job as a moderator is not to answer the questions, but I can't help but um, give a couple of um, of my own three things, but I've got like about ten, but I'm not going to go through them all. Um, you have to be a bit stubborn, I think, if you've got a purpose, you 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 know you can listen, you can take it in and you can be listening, and I always have the voice in the back of my head that says i'm going I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it my own way and and, and I'll just wait and it will work. Um, uh, I was uh, lucky enough to be um, I- invited to a University of Adelaide uh, conversation with some students the other day and the two gentlemen that spoke before me were talking about knowing the exact margins that you're making on every single, um, every single product you sell and I was thinking, I don't I don't even know what my margins are. (laughs) Like, uh, seriously, I know that might you might say that's a bit neglectful. Sure, that's fine. We keep going, but um, but what I do know is that if something sparks something in me, um, I will go for it. And even I do have this voice that. Even when my board and others say, don't do that, Sarah, you're doing enough. I go, OK, sure. And I think, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And um, one of those examples is that we were recently able to collaborate... GoGo was recently able to collaborate with Taboo. uh, Two weeks ago, we had Australia's first period summit Mm -hmm. uh, because we were determined after we heard um, from Helen Connolly, the Commissioner of Children and Young People... About uh, the impact of the taboo of menstruation across Australia, particularly on education, and my board said to me, "Sarah, that's that's not in line with GoGo events." And I said, "Okay, that's fine. I'll just do it outside of that time." We've we just had Australia's first period summit, so I think being really committed to the systems. Yeah, um, and and my last thing actually. Well, I've got two more things. It's about collaboration. I think when you look around, and Andrew, you're in a perfect position um, for this. Is to when you when you feel an alignment with an organisation, buy that product, tell your friends about it, invest in it, because that's the best way for a business is to have a customer. So be the customer for those organisations. A couple of other really simple things: bring women into the ownership of your organisation or onto your board or into senior management. It's just a no-brainer. It's an economic no-brainer, actually. All the data globally says that those organisations with women in—you um, know across all of their business are doing well. They're better. They're, they're, they're making more profit if we pull it back down to that one core purpose. Um, I think we're totally at a turning point in South Australia, in Australia around our Indigenous... Um, uh, awareness, our obligation to drive change, um, to for everyone to have a really serious um, um, reconciliation action plan, and be committed to decolonisation um, um, wherever that is possible for you, um, and. With that, I think that they're my main thing, but um, it is actually 11.05, so it is time to pass the microphone over to the audience. Um, as we um, put up our hands and test there, oh, I think actually there's a microphone here, so anyone that would like to ask a question, please come forward to the microphone. And while you do that, I'm just going to ask the panel, is there anything burning in the back of your mind that you would like to add to the conversation? Um,
1: I actually did have a a little thought just then when we were talking about our tips. Um, And it occurred to me just then, really, that not everyone likes to talk about periods as much as Eloise and I do, <laughs> and that really speaks to the fact that um, we talk about like purpose for a business and like a whole a whole group of people working towards this purpose. But if the people behind aren't really personally invested in that mission or that cause, um, you're gonna have real issues. Um, for example, Andrew, I love the work you do, <laughs> and I'm so passionate about your mission, but I couldn't talk about engineering much. <laughs> but I'm sure that you probably, even though you may back our mission so much, yeah. you might not be able to talk about periods every yeah. single day. And, <laughs> and so um, I think just that idea of, of playing to that topic or that cause that really Uh, makes your heart beat and makes you physically respond in a way that other topics don't. Um, That's the only reason we cared so much about Taboo to even start it, let alone go to the office every single day. Um, Yeah, so I would say it's not just about the business's purpose, it's about the individual's purpose as well and passion. And starting off as a team of
4: volunteers, it was the most perfect recruitment process because no-one applied for a job. They all applied for the passion,
0: so now we have the best team. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, we have a question. Good morning. Uh,
5: yeah, my is Meryl. I am asking a question uh, because I'm sort of identifying a bit of a gap in the discussion uh, about uh, equity uh, and involvement in the, uh, these businesses. So, and I'm referencing, uh, which I won't describe, the social model of disability. So, uh, one of the things that the National Disability Insurance Scheme is really keen to do, and it's actually written in the legislation, is to support the active participation in social economic activities of people with disabilities and have financial independence and autonomy. So the question to the panellists is what strategies, operational structures, processes, etc., have you implemented to, uh, to include people with disabilities? And by disabilities, I don't just mean mobility and having a car park with a side on it. Um, that there's sensory, neurodivergence, chronic mental illness or psychosocial disability, uh, a whole which require actual changes to structure, to communication, to information dissemination, uh, not just a car park. So so in areas of governance, management, board, decision-makers, staff, employees, the community, your target group or in general, what are you doing to include people with disabilities?
0: Great question. Lovely question, thank you. Do you want to speak to that, Carrie? I'm, I might,
3: um, uh, but first of all, not enough. So, you know, full on, not enough. Uh, all of our venues are fully equal access. Uh, and so I say all of our venues, office and the, the pub. Uh, Spark at the Whitmore. So we have two elevators that we put in. We change the entryway in. We have a lowered bar that has a space for someone, for example, that is uh, in a wheelchair. The other thing that we do is we look for um, partners in the business, that um, supply partners, for example, uh, that have a disability. Uh, and, and give preference for that. In the same way that we pretty much also give preference for any other diversity in any other relationship that we've got. We're a pub and so, um, you know, our, our, uh, our environment is, is a very fluid mobile environment, but we do have a policy that says that if you need and want and can hire a person with a disability, we, not your department, so kitchen department, etc. we will fund whatever the cost is required to accommodate the need uh, to physically have that disability um, uh, accommodated. Because sometimes people are concerned about working with people who don't have sight or don't have uh, he, are are hearing uh, impaired or have mobility issues because of the cost of accommodating the workstation, et cetera, et cetera. We're also putting, and you can see that I'm focused on physical disability and you asked a much broader question, but I can only answer within the constraints uh, that, that we are literally operating in. Um, the other thing is that um, we didn't at the Whitmore, but built into our future plans is hearing loops uh, in in every room because that's been a real challenge that that we've identified. We have menus that are available in Word for people who are sight impaired. You know, we we think very much about equal access, um, but in terms of other areas of disability, I would just have to say I don't even think we're on the map.
0: Andrew, would
2: you? Do you have... Yeah, it's it's a really interesting point. We um, we as a business, I, I'd say, exactly that we don't do enough in that space. We don't promote enough. We don't um, we don't in any way discriminate against it, but we just don't promote it enough. We probably don't put enough scoring and weighting on our. Um, uh, on our recruitment processes. And we probably need to more go out and actively uh, approach more. Um, we do a lot of service in our business for disability work. We do a lot of pro bono work in that, in that space. But in terms of engagement and hiring, not enough is the answer. Um, from, a, uh, from a chief entrepreneur point of view, um, I know we're putting a lot of time into the discussion around the social entrepreneurs as I said before and one of those things is about the f- engagement a lot heavier, a lot heavier engagement um, with the NDIS uh, and how we can create opportunities through that and I've got a, a working group subcommittee with the, uh, on the Entrepreneur Advisory Board working on that as one of the key issues in the social impact. And um, but,
0: we've, we've got just yeah. a couple of moments left so yeah. I will ask the next question, um, if you don't mind. Thank you for your question. Um, At GoGo Events, our um, employees are all uh, women who are at risk of homelessness um, and have um, significant barriers to employment. So whilst we don't look um, at physical disability, we certainly look at social, emotional, psychological and mental disabilities. Um, So, last question. We've got a couple of minutes.
6: Yeah. Um, My my main or my main concern is climate change. I think, uh, in the words of um, Naomi Klein, this changes everything. And I want to ask, to what extent do you think that the whole capitalist system, the whole economic system that we live in, is actually responsible for making climate change worse? I, I read an article in The Guardian, which has really stuck with me, and the, Id- the person put the idea forth that what we've got to do is less shopping we don't need so much stuff we don't need all the time to prove our status we don't need SUVs in the city um, so uh, what's my question uh, <laughs> um, I, might well, uh,
0: I might be my an concern
6: answer. my concern is the way the politicians always talk about jobs and growth. I think we've got to stop that.
0: Thank you. It's a great, it's a really good one question. that The one question on my sheet I didn't get to ask our panel, but this is for the next year's Festival of Ideas. How do you ensure your business is doing no harm to the planet and to people? Um, and the other one was, do you have any big dreams around the positive impact your business can have on the world? So I'm going to leave that question with you To answer, Um, perhaps you have suggestions for us. Perhaps you have own uh, ideas in your own lives about the way that you go about your business, the products you buy, the services that you buy, and the products that you um, endorse and support. uh, Because it's a really big question, and it does change everything. Thank you all for coming along today. We're right on time, one minute late. Tess, I think you'll be okay with that. I would really like to thank. Andrew, thank you. Good luck with your um, role and big ambition. Izzy and Eloise, thank you so much. Carrie, thank you for all you're doing at the pub. Go down there for a drink. You'll love it. Um, um, I hope it stopped raining outside. Please remember to take all your possessions with you so that the auditorium can be uh, carefully cleaned and sanitised. And thank you so much. Enjoy the Festival of Ideas.